0: to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: Within each and every one of us is a source of internal guidance and inspiration. It's an inner voice or feeling that directs you towards greater love, truth, and healing. It's an energy that communicates to you from a place of spirit and unlimited potential. This force, energy, and guidance is your intuition, your sacred navigator and superpower on this journey called life. Connecting to and strengthening your inner voice is incredibly empowering, healing, life enhancing and beautiful. Your intuition is the voice of your soul. It is the means by which your spirit guides you, inspires you and communicates with you. When you follow the guidance of your soul, you live a divinely inspired life, a life that is infused with purpose, synchronicity, ease and grace. Sivanaspirit.com. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Lisa Ford. She is an author, psychic, light worker, and healer. Lisa was born in France to an American military couple. She lived in five states and two countries before settling in Denver, Colorado. She holds a Bachelor of Science from Colorado State University in Human Development and Family Studies with a minor in psychology. She is also a chartered financial consultant. After a successful 28-year career in finance and insurance, Lisa retired in 2012 to focus on her health and family. Since that time, she's been volunteering, writing novels, and investing in real estate. In her spare time, Lisa does CrossFit, snow skis, rides horses, and practices Reiki as a Level 1 master. She meditates daily, works with energy, and is certified in Feng Shui, which she implements in her properties. Since she was a teenager, she has engaged in and studied metaphysical topics such as psychometry, numerology, tarot, and past lives. To read Lisa's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Here is the interview with Lisa Ford.
0: In your
2: own words, who is Lisa Ford? Well, I would say essentially I am a student of life. I really am a knowledge seeker and trying to figure out um, my greatest potential and why I am here. So that's the place that I am. And if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, it obviously would have been different. But I, I tend to stay away from labels such as mother, wife, you know, rock lover, all the things that I am when people ask me. But for you, I would say I'm a student of life. Mm, thank you.
0: Before we begin to talk about your website page, uh, thoughts about life, I have a few general questions. I call them warm-up questions,
2: as I mentioned before. What is life to you? Life to me is about trying to figure out the purpose of my existence. Why was I put on this planet? Why did I enter a family with eight other siblings and a military family? I ask a lot of questions, why? And to me, that's what life is. Uh, What is death? Of death. Oh my goodness. Um, I am probably one of the very few people I know that is not afraid of death and death to me is when my soul leaves my physical body and I am reunited with a higher power and I move on even to greater understanding and growth. So to me, death is just the leaving of your physical body.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of people say that the opposite of life is death I like the way you answered that. I like to think that there's no opposite to life and that transformation and renewal, they're just simply part of life. Yes. What inspires you to be a good person and to do good in the world?
2: Well, I do believe, because I think I told you in my bio, I've studied near-death experiences. I do believe at some point in time that we are met by our maker and there is a review of our life. And it's not in judgment. It's not about what you did right and what you did wrong, but how did you move through the world? How did you touch people? How did you affect them? And so for me, what motivates me to live a good life is that at some point I'm going to review that and I would rather see a lot more good than what I did wrong. In fact, now when I review my past, which I try not to do very often, and I feel that I have wronged someone, I will ask their higher self for forgiveness. I might write them a letter. I might call them on the phone and ask for forgiveness and tell them I'm a different person now. So what motivates me to live life to the fullest is that very aspect of my belief system, that We are held accountable for everything we do, everything we say, everything we put out into the world.
0: Wow, yeah, I believe that too. Absolutely. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? Love. Hmm. What is love to you?
2: Love is to me where everything begins. I believe that if we can walk through life with love in our heart and love in our intentions, that this would be a far different world than the one that we are experiencing today.
0: Do you connect love with the idea
2: of God? I do. I was raised Catholic So I have spent a great deal of time on the concept of God and what that means, and I'm very mindful when I talk to people because some people need to hear that in the message. They need to hear me talk about Jesus and talk about God, and then sometimes I'll talk to others and I will speak of the universe, or I will speak of angels, I'll speak of their past loved ones. So many times I'm reluctant to use the word God because it's difficult to explain. Um, I don't believe there are earthly words for me to explain to you what I mean, but yes, I do believe that God is love and that's what He wants us to walk through life with, is love. Right.
0: Yes, a thousand times to that. How is spirituality different
2: from religion? Religion, I believe, is an organized environment to give people hope. I think it's a a structure to help people find purpose and meaning and community. Spirituality, I believe, is a study and it's a desire to be the best that you can be, and to understand all of the complexities of the universe. So spirituality is different in that you can find it in so many places. You don't have to go to a place or bricks and mortar or a steeple or a Catholic or Christian church or a Methodist. Spirituality is within you every moment of every day if you just embrace it. So that's how I see them differently.
0: What do you think is the purpose of life?
2: I believe that we all have soul agreements that we make before we come into our physical form and that we're all given purposes of life. Some people are given the purpose to just figure out themselves, to just figure out why that one person is here And what is their role in the world? Whereas other people are given the purpose of not only figuring themselves out, but also touching other lives, which I sometimes refer to as lightworkers. So you yourself would be a lightworker because you're not just figuring out your own life. You're trying to help others and make a difference. So the purpose of life is different for everyone. And it's your job to figure out what your purpose is. And there are thousands upon thousands of tools to help you get there. You just have to decide what that is and what works for you.
0: Right. That is so interesting. You talk about life purpose on your website. The first phrase we see when we visit your website is the phrase, finding your path purpose and meaning. That's what
2: you mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is because I believe that people that fight their existence, they run into challenges. But if you know the American song about rowing your boat, row, row, row your boat, when you just row and you gently move through life, you know, everything seems to fall into place and doors open up. So you can go through life fighting or you can go through life in the flow and about finding your path is getting into the flow and being in the right place to open those doors to figure out why you're here. So yes, to answer your question, they are very related.
0: Right.
2: Oh, wow. That was one of my questions, actually, about
0: how do we know when we have found the path that we are on our path?
2: And would you say that's simple as flowing with life? Yes. And it's about trusting. I think so many times we get in our head and we analyze um, and we try to figure out what's the best thing for me to do when if we really just trusted what is put before us, every person, every opportunity, every challenge, because Eckhart Tolle, who's one of my favorite masters that I've studied, he talks about not reacting to what happens to us because people get in an accident and they say, oh, isn't that so tragic? Isn't that horrible? But at the end of the day, if you don't respond and you don't react and you just say, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this? Why is that person in my life? Why did they say that to me? Without really analyzing, but honestly, just going within and answering that question from a place of love and not judgment.
0: Wow. That is wonderful. I love what you said about trust. Yeah, just trusting whatever it's happening now. It's happening for a reason. It might be to show us the path. If I might ask, where is the
2: path uh, taking us? Do you have a clear answer for that? I do. I do have a clear answer for that. Um, I believe right now that we're living in what's called the third dimension and the 3D world. And the path right now for us is to move into what is called the fifth dimension. And the fifth dimension is essentially like living in heaven on earth. And that's the only word I can use to help describe what the fifth dimension is. It's where there's no judgment. There's only love. You feel immense joy to be in your body, immense joy to be on this earth. And there are a lot of people that are moving toward the fifth dimension. And if that's any path that you could get on, it would be that one. And there are books out there. In fact, I'm reading one right now by Maureen St. Germain, and she talks about how to get to the fifth dimension. And it is fascinating, utterly and beyond words, if I could say that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, speaking of quite the opposite, the news and what is on TV and the things that we expose our minds too, and ourselves too these days. You talk about turning the TV off, the news off.
2: Well, think of it this way, because I saw your website and I read about you, and think about what passes your mouth and goes into your body every day and how we feed our body. Well, the same is true with how we feed our mind. If you are studying master's, all day long and you go onto Gaia or you go onto your website and you listen to people that are truly trying to make a difference and you feed your mind, you feed your thoughts with these esoteric concepts and these beliefs that are really hard to wrap our arms around. I believe that's so much better for your mind than to listen to the news, which unfortunately a lot of times is all of the trauma in the world. And I am an empath, which means I pick up other people's emotions and other people's pain. So by the same token, I cannot watch violent movies. I cannot watch videos of people hurting animals because I will literally start to sob. So I have to be very careful what I feed my mind with and the people that I hang around because they affect me. Now, I've learned how to protect myself from those people. And I can tell you a few ways. One, I learned from being a Reiki master is to zip up my chakras right up until my throat chakra three times. And I will zip myself up when I'm in an airport, a stadium, or in a place where there's a lot of people. The other tool I use is I place white light all around myself or all around an airplane. When I get on an airplane, I place it around my home, around my children, around my animals. Um, I also have used a pink blanket, but really it's about intention. You can also use a mirror. So if you're around someone that tends to drain your energy or who is negative, you can put a piece of glass up between you and that person or hold a mirror on your chest. So anything that they're trying to throw at you really just goes back to them and doesn't stick to you. And so you can find out if you're an empath by going online. There's a lot of people that are out there to help you figure out if you are or not. But if you are, it's super critical to protect yourself from the news, protect yourself from negative people, and people that just walk through life with hate in their heart instead of love. Why does the media focus so
0: much on negativity, on the negative side of humanity?
2: Well, unfortunately, it has to do with that's what people seem to feed off of. It makes me super sad to think that that's the truth. And I believe that we used to really honor the media and what they said, but I think they've lost a lot of credibility. They have in my book lost a lot of credibility. I rarely anymore believe what it is that they're telling me. Um, I do try to watch documentaries and form my own opinions and really look within and say, is this truth that I am hearing? Is this truth or is this false? And whatever I hear in my head is usually what I go with because I trust my inner guidance and my inner wisdom. Mm. I don't believe in being naive. I think it's important to know what's
0: happening out there. Not that I look for what's the best source to find current events? And do we really need to be updated and to know what's happening out there?
2: Well, I do trust that what I'm supposed to know about will cross my path. I honestly cannot completely cut myself off from the rest of the world because I also belong to a group of people called the global echelon. And so we will pray together as a group and send love and light to parts of the world that need us. So when the fires were in Australia, we got together as a group and we send light to that part of the world. When locusts descended upon South Africa and another part of Africa, we sent light to the locusts because it was the worst that they'd had in 10 years. So we do need to know what's going on in the world. So in terms of finding what is the best source, I believe you just have to go through life and uh, and know this is something that I need to put my attention on and then to know what not to put your attention on. But I can tell you from a spiritual standpoint what are good sources. I believe we essentially have three sources that we can go to within. One is our loved ones that have passed before us. The second one is what you might call a spiritual guide. That's someone that was assigned to you when you made your soul agreement before you entered your physical body, a guide that is there to help you through life, your life. So we are sometimes given one to three guides that will with us our entire physical existence and then we will have guides that will come in to help us through what might be a challenging time. So perhaps you have a baby and they send you a guide to help you be the best mother you can be. Now the third option that we have is what I call angels or angelic beings. Might be Archangel Michael or Archangel Raphael or Gabriel. But we also have angels that are assigned to us. And so when you go within and you ask for guidance, you're tapping into one of those three aspects of who you are. One, a past loved one. Two, a spiritual guide. Or three, some kind of angelic being. Because it's not that God doesn't hear our prayers, but he has a lot of workers and he also has a hierarchy, whereas the archangels are the highest of all the angels, right? So if you want to go to the highest source of the angels, you go to Archangel Michael and you ask for protection. If you feel something evil around you, you can call upon Archangel Michael to protect you. And I've called upon Jesus many times in my life when I have had something less than elevated try to uh, hurt me. I have called upon Jesus and I've called upon Archangel Michael. So You know, those are the types of advisors that I go to and where I go for guidance.
0: I'm wondering how do we know the difference between those voices, those inner voices that could be our guides, the angels, garden angels, um, past loved ones, our own intuition,
2: between all this and our own beliefs? Okay, I can answer that question. When your loved ones come through... They're going to come through essentially with the same personality that they left with. And they're going to give you guidance based on the same type of guidance they might give you if they were sitting right in front of you. Now, my father, who's been passed for 40 years, his guidance over the year has changed quite a bit as he has grown and become more evolved. When he first died, his guidance was vastly different than his guidance that he gives me now. So loved ones are going to maintain their personality. Now, guides are normally trying to help you understand the greater picture. They're trying to help you understand the path you're upon. They're trying to get you to do the things they want you to do. And sometimes they can be manipulative. Sometimes they can get you to do things that don't necessarily seem right, or very angelic. So if you're hearing from your angels or from the angelic realm, it's going to come from love, it's going to come from your highest good, and it's going to be what is best for you and best for the world. So the differences between the three are one is from a human perspective, one is from a spiritual perspective, and the last one is from an angelic perspective if that makes sense. And they also will talk to you in third person, right? When you're talking to yourself, you're like, I should have done this. I should have done that. Oh, why did I say that? But when they talk to you, they say they talk to you in third person. So it really takes some time and discernment to go, okay, who's talking to me right now? And you can actually ask them and your spirit guides will give you a name because they have names. And if it's a loved one, you say, okay, who's talking to me now? Who is here with me? And they will tell you. It's just a matter again of what I was saying is you've got to trust it's them talking to you. I literally get in my car and say, what is the best way for me to drive to the gym today? What is the best time for me to go to the gym today? And I listen to them. Because when you start listening, they will tell you more and more and more. And the riches will just come to you. I, I know people are like, why am I so poor? Why this? It's because they're not listening. We're not meant to come from a poor lifetime. Now, your goal, and I can tell you my lifetime, in this lifetime, I had to learn to master money, which is why I spent 28 years in the financial industry, even though it was a miserable place for me to be because it's not a very spiritual place. I had to learn to master money. And so now that I've mastered it, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it, but I know how to create it. And I created all of my wealth because my grandmother was a maid in Philadelphia. My grandfather was a chauffeur and I am self-made. And just like most people in this country, they don't inherit their money. They create it, you know, so it's all tied together. But listening to guidance will get you what you need, whether it's a loved one or an angel or whoever it is, you got to listen. It's that important.
0: I agree. And that's interesting because this is an ability that we all have. And I'm wondering why so many people, they are afraid. I see that most people are not in touch with these voices because they are afraid of them.
2: They are so very afraid. I can tell you that the first time um, I was contacted by a spirit guide, I was so afraid. I jumped out of bed. And I ran into the bathroom to sit next to my husband who was in the shower because I was afraid. But what they do is they try to um, ease you in. So if you happen to be clairvoyant where you see things, right, they start to show up in your peripheral vision because they don't want to scare you. If you're clairaudient, you might hear a whisper, And you're like, did I just hear something? But you have to quiet down enough to listen? So they try to ease you in, but yes, it can be scary, but it's like anything that we're afraid of, the more we do it, the better we get. The more discipline, the more we ask, the more they show up, the more we listen, the more they tell us, the more we trust, the more we create. Wow,
0: I love that, Lisa. Yeah, trust, just trusting the unknown. We are so used to the known and we stay confined in our small world. But yeah, um, being open to to explore the unknown is the way to live this life for sure. Um, you mentioned before that the word empath, that you are an Empath. So, what is the difference between an empath and a person who is compassionate?
2: I believe there's a difference. Um, Someone that's compassionate has the ability in their heart, you know, to feel for that person, but they don't necessarily feel the emotions of that person. And I think I told you that I'm a psychic, and when I read for people, I can feel their physical pain that they might have in their body, and I can also feel their emotional pain. So they might ask me about their father that died a week ago, and I will feel their desire to sob, okay? I will feel the pain in their heart because I'm an empath but a compassionate person would say oh i'm so sorry you lost your father if there's anything i can do can i bring you a meal can i help you at work what can i do you know to help you that's a compassionate person but an empath they feel it and there are times where an i I have a sister who we both have issues with our stomach and I will feel her pain. The first thing I ask, is this my pain or someone else's? If they say it's someone else's, I'm like, whose pain is it? and i can actually dissipate the pain by sending them light from my crown and out my out my solar plexus so i will send light to that person and i'll dissipate that pain from them and that's also part of being a reiki master where you are tapping into the universal healing energy and healing that person from a distance so an empath will feel others pain feel others emotions feel others anger um, they'll feel so many things. If you've ever heard someone say, you made me feel that way, you know, a true, empath, a true empath might actually feel that person's anger. And, you know, and they will turn a lot of times to substance abuse because they don't know how to turn off feeling somebody else's anger, or somebody else's sadness, or they say, I'm depressed. I think a lot of people on antidepressants are empaths that just don't know how to turn it off, how to get away. What advice or suggestions would you give to them? Well, first off, you have to understand that you are an empath and then you have to protect yourself. And you also have to get off drugs and alcohol because as difficult as that is and as much as you want to, push it away and numb yourself and dumb it down. You've got to feel that because there's a reason you were chosen to be an empath. You, I think, are special that you were made an empath and you are a light worker and chances are really good you're on this earth, not just for you, but for someone else and to help the masses. How do we get this earth how do we get the people on this earth to move into the fifth dimension? Well, those are the light workers of the world. Those are the empaths. Those are the people that have been chosen to not just figure themselves out. So the first step is identification.
0: Yeah. And then uh, we just say courage or what is the next step? Yeah, we need to understand that pushing away and trying to numb the emotions won't help. That's right. Study other
2: empaths. You know, study people and masters that say, this is what you do if you're an empath. There's so many amazing masters out there that we can study. And it doesn't take a bunch. You know, I've been studying masters since I was a teenager. But right now, I am studying like one or two. And I really engross myself in that philosophy because you want to resonate with what they're saying to you. If it doesn't resonate, move on to the next one. But there's thousands of them out there.
0: True, it's not difficult to find. I absolutely love the way you keep using the word trust. Trust, yeah. It has to do with being open, just receptive to life and just flowing with what's happening and not doing the opposite, running away, being scared. Really wonderful. I keep hearing that message from you. Trust, trust, yeah. Talk to me about the pendulum and how it can help us to make better decisions.
2: Well, I would say the pendulum is what I would give to a kindergartner that is entering the spiritual world, okay? They've not done a whole lot. I would hand them a pendulum. And a pendulum, for those of you that don't know what it is, is it's a tool that's made out of many different, um, either stones or wood, or you can actually make a pendulum out of a necklace. You can make your own. Balsam wood tends to be a really nice pendulum because it doesn't absorb energies. But I've had pendulums actually break once it, it has absorbed so much energy, it can no longer take any more. But you literally buy a pendulum. I would go to a spiritual store. You can buy it, probably find them at Whole Foods. You can probably find them almost anywhere. But you, know, you hold that pendulum by the top and then you ask it to show you yes, which um, it will move in a direction. It might be vertical, it might be horizontal, or it might be in a circle and then you ask it to show you no. And once you have determined your pendulum's yes, no, and or maybe answers, you can ask it yes, no questions. It might be something as simple as, should I go to this seminar? Should I go meet this person? Is this person good for me? Is this person bad for me? So it's a yes, no, it's a, it's a very elementary way to connect with spirit. But by the same token, I also say before I use my pendulum, only those that have my highest and greatest good may answer. Because you can call in energies that are probably not good for you. Just like you've heard of a Ouija board, right? People say, stay away from the Ouija board. Why? Because they worry about entities that are not in your highest and best good. Every time that you use any tool to tap into spirituality, you always want to say a prayer and or an affirmation that only those that have your highest and best good may enter and or answer your questions.
0: Right.
2: And that makes me think about
0: fear. How do we manage to be less afraid of life and its uh,
2: components and everything that's in it? Well, that's a complex question. Um, Fear is probably something else that I've had to learn to master in this lifetime. I had not only a fear of failure, but a fear of success. And we have a lot of fears, fears of spiders, fears of flying, fears of claustrophobia. But um, I've had um, some fears that have come up around my writing and about, oh, who's going to ever read your writing. I can remember saying that to myself and, oh, who's ever going to listen to you? Because uh, a lot of people operate off of fear and they use fear to intimidate. So do we uh, try to keep fear out of our life? I believe fear can be healthy, but it also can be debilitating. It's like too much of anything can hurt us. So in some respects, fear is good, because if we're trying to teach a child about fire, you know, we want them to know, you know, that in the physical world, if we step into fire without the proper, you know, mindset, we can get hurt. But if we meditate and before we walk on coals, we can literally walk on coals and not hurt ourselves at all. So do we, are we, do we need to be afraid of fire? Well, there's some amount of healthy fear. So to answer your question, I think fear does play a place in our existence.
0: Right. One of the biggest fears out there, I would say, is the fear of
2: death. Oh, so many people are afraid of death. But if you study near-death experiences, you will not be afraid. And anyone that has been near death, they come back changed and they come back with such love And um, I wrote a novel, which is actually getting ready to come out. And in this novel, she has a near-death experience. And I have to tell you, it transforms people. You know, there's 26, 27 different things that happen. But essentially, we normally go through a tunnel, which I believe is just the quantum field. And you either met by God or met by your loved ones and or, you know, spiritual guides And then they review your life with you. And some people are given the option to come back. And, you know, my best friend, you know, had that option when she was 16. They said, you can stay on this side or you can go back. And she came back. And anybody that comes back no longer has fear about dying. And if we only knew how beautiful the process is, we wouldn't be afraid. You know, recently we had the opportunity to watch Be With My Brother when he passed. And I can tell you, at the moment he passed over, I saw the most euphoric look on his face. It was euphoria of, oh my gosh, mom and dad. I'm sure my mom and dad were there. I'm sure my sister was there. I'm sure all the people that passed before him were there to greet him, his dog, everybody he truly loved. And I think if we just saw it that way and we weren't so afraid, and I think sometimes religion wants us to be afraid because in some religions, they tell you, this is it. This is all you got. If you're not baptized, you go to purgatory. If you don't live your life right, you're not going to heaven. But if you start studying the master's, there really is no heaven; we can be in heaven right now on Earth, and that's what the fifth dimension is, but people don't understand that and you know it, it what I'm talking about is some pretty esoteric ideas, but this is what you find by studying you know some of these these concepts that there's no need to be afraid of death. I promise you mm-hmm
0: not losing our own body, ourselves, but also not losing people around us. There might be more fear even with the idea that the things and the people we love, they might die. And speaking of that, what are the most uh, profound lessons that you have learned
2: by losing people you love? That life can be different in a moment. So I lost my first death was at five years old, my grandfather, my grandmother at 13, my father at 19, my mother at 26, one of my best friends from college at 24. And so what I learned from losing people is they never, ever leave you. They're still there. The second most important thing that I learned is that a lot of times death is for the living and what i mean is that we all have to mourn and cry and think oh my gosh our life is going to be so awful without that person but it's not doesn't have to be awful it ha, it can be enriched by losing someone as awful as that sounds and somebody might say well how do you explain losing a 2 year old or a 4 year old or you know, I call I call those people earth angels, and they came into our lives for a short time to teach us great lessons, okay? And we might cry and mourn them, and I can tell you the worst one was my dad at 19 who died in a car accident because I dreamt about it before it happened, and I had to grapple with the thought, Is could I have prevented this? You know, could I have made a difference if I had said something to him or done something? And and I learned that no, it was just for me to discover there's a greater picture at work here. And that person, my father, is in a better place than when he was on earth because he was living a bit of a tortured existence based on some things that had happened to him. You know, so you know, people get really tortured by their lives and they don't realize you know, that we're supposed to learn from these illnesses, that we have the power to heal ourselves. We have the power to make ourselves sick, and we have the power to heal ourselves. But until you believe that and embrace that and know how to do it, it doesn't do you any good. Wow. Yeah. I know you
0: use the word uh, believe now, which I think it's almost impossible to navigate life without belief. Kind of connecting there with trust, that is the best, yeah, the best way to live. And I absolutely admire you, the way you speak. I recently lost somebody that I used to know, and that was a very interesting experience.
2: Yeah, That's right. You can ask him to visit you in your dreams. Um, in your dreams is a really easy way to be able to communicate with someone because we can rationalize our dreams But, um, you know, you could even ask him to show you a sign. I've asked for signs before. Um, You know, it might be something that the two of you held dear and special. It might be a song. It might be, you know, something um, that the two of you held together. But he will let you know he's around. Sometimes when they first pass, it takes a little bit of time because they're getting used to being, you know, on the other side. So it might take them a little time, but give him time to visit you. Um, My friend that I lost at 24 was in a coma for eight hours. He got hit in the Philippines by a taxi cab driver and went into a coma. And he came and visited me in my dreams when I was 24 years old. During the eight hours, he was in his coma and he was talking to me just like he was in front of me, like he was mad at me for not writing and things he said when we were in college, which I just love. And it wasn't until I wrote a letter to him that he never got that his mother called and said, gosh, you know, Sean was in a coma when you had that dream, because I told him about the dream in the letter. So, you know, this person will come back to you if you just trust and ask him to give you a sign. So anyone can do that. Yeah. And yeah, I read
0: that. And it's beautiful what he said, that he talked about giving back and finding joy Every single day, also operating life from love. That's some of the messages that he put out there, which is so, so true. Coming to my last questions, would you like to say anything else before I begin that section, Lisa?
2: Nope, I have really nothing else. The first question is about success. What is success to you? I believe that success is finding out your true purpose for being here, also mastering being human because <laughs> that's not all we to do. <laughs> you know, mastering being in a body, <laughs> you know uplifting our body the right things, the right thoughts, meditating, all those things. I think that success is to master those two things. yeah, what is to be strong to be strong? Gosh, that's a tough word. um I tend to you know shy a little bit away from what i say strong i would say it's better to be disciplined to be tuned in and to know when you need to be strong and when you need to be soft when you need to come from love right because we're always going to have adversity you know people like buck up be strong you can do this but the point is is that you know we need to not react to the things that happen to us ask why they happen to us and um and stay disciplined in that approach that makes me
0: think about self love and and being vulnerable do you love yourself
2: unconditionally um i don't i'm still working on that i i wish i did i wish i could tell you i am so evolved Um, But there are um, some things about me that I would still like to change. Um, Like I said about Dr. Joe Dispenza, who wrote that book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I'm still working on that. I'm still working on not reacting and being able to deal with people that I find super difficult to be around. You know, my inclination is to sit behind my computer and study masters and spend a lot of time alone, when in all actuality, I need to get to that place where I feel love no matter who crosses my path, no matter what traffic, no matter who slams on the brakes in front of me, no matter who does something I find absolutely ridiculous or says something I find so non-spiritual. You know, I'm still very human like that. So, so no, I do love myself unconditionally, but I'm getting there. I'm working it
0: (laughs) That's so cute. Um, Yeah, that might be where all of us are aiming to be one day very comfortable with ourselves, exactly as we are. What was the hardest lesson to learn about
2: yourself in life as of today? Um, The hardest lesson to learn about myself is that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, It's most important that I do it with a sense of purpose, that I do it with deliberation, you know, that I have to forgive myself, you know, for the dumb things I've done in the past and the things I've done to hurt others. And, you know, I just have to let go of the past. That's probably one of my hardest lessons that I've had to learn is to really let go of um, what's happened up to this point, that to just move forward. What is another word for healing? Another word for healing? I would say ascending or ascension.
0: If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you make any change about your life?
2: Oh gosh, I think I'd do a jig. You know, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but there have been many times in this lifetime that I've said, hey, I'm ready to be done. <laughs> you can take any time now. And, uh, which sounds kind of silly. People are like, oh my gosh, you know, are you going to commit suicide? Which I would never ever do because then you kind of ruin the whole path. But the point is, is that um, I, I'm not afraid to die. And so I have already tried to live my life as if I was going to die tomorrow. So there's not a lot I would change um, other than getting there faster. I wish I could be better faster. But no, I wouldn't change anything. That's wonderful. What are three things about life you know for sure? I know there's life after death. I know that love is the only way. And I know my soul will live on. And I've lived many, many lifetimes. You know, uh, I, I believe in that. I've experienced my lifetimes. And so I know those three things for sure.
0: Wonderful, Lisa. Thank you so much for this conversation, it has been fun and meaningful. Yeah, profound. Thank you.:
2: um, Gratitude for you. I appreciate that you reached out to me, and um, you are a light worker, my friend, and um, I feel blessed to have spent this last hour with you.
0: Mm, thank you.
2: Where can we find
0: more information about you, your books, services, and future projects?
2: Um, I have a website, which is Lisa Dash. Ford.com. So that's probably the best place to find me www.lisa-ford.com.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Lisa. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lisa Ford, please visit her website, www.lisaford.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.